Welcome to the Baller Shorts Podcast, alongside Doug Kraustein as usual. I'm Ben Teitelbaum. Doug, this is our first podcast of the Trump presidency, so we make no promises. I think that's safe to say. But tonight, this is a true fact, non-alternative, the NBA announced their all-star reserves. Seven guys from no, each... No, stop. I'm not talking about this now. I'm really mad. Enlighten me. Ben, this is going to be my last time on the podcast. I hate to break it to you. I'm quitting basketball. Like, everything. Playing, what happened? watching, what, what talking. Happened, the Knicks, they, they self-combusted. Why is this surprising to you? All right, here's my issue. Here's my issue. And you promised me I could rant on this first, so we're not talking about All-Stars right I'm now. I'm going to set a timer. We'll get to All-Stars in a second. You have exactly one minute to rant fine and begin my issue isn't the performance on the court i can i can deal with a team just not being great my issue is the dysfunction with management and it starts and ends with phil jackson it's it's terrible look i come from a business background and i understand leadership and i understand how businesses should run to an extent i'm not saying i'm an expert or anything but you do not air your grievances to your personal scribe, Charlie Rosen, for whatever publication he writes for. And whether you did or not, he if he really is your close friend, he shouldn't be saying these things about Mello. Mello, honestly, to me, take away his performance on the court, has been absolutely perfect in his way of dealing with all these questions from the media about Phil. Phil has to be... He's, he's, he's acting like a five-year-old. He's got to confront Mello and say, hey, look... This is what I'm thinking instead of letting Mello hear it from the media. And I know that's commonplace in sports, but I mean, Phil Jackson just seems like he's just so disinterested and not involved with this team, except when it comes to the triangle offense. It's just unbelievable. I actually think he's done fine in terms of player personnel. I mean, this team's not working out, but it's, oh my God, it's so frustrating. It's just so frustrating to see this play out in the media. Well, you know I have a complicated relationship with Phil Jackson as a, a lifelong Laker fan who saw Phil take us to five titles. Myself and my dad, who I got a lot of my basketball leanings from, we've never been a fan of Phil's actual uh, in-game coaching ability. No. Triangle's fine for the right personnel. We've never thought he'd made good adjustments. We always thought he was uh, benefited by the lineups he had. Yeah, to say the least. I know. I'm not one of those Phil haters who thinks he was purely a product of circumstance and situation. I I think that he has handled certain relationships in the right way, but I do think he gets too much credit for being the Zen master, that this mythology of Phil Jackson that was created in the the Bulls years and then the early Lakers years gives him a little bit more credit than he was due. Absolutely. And yet, I think the basketball, the mainstream basketball world is a little bit wary of criticizing him because of all the rings on his fingers. And you know what? It's one of those things where sadly, maybe not sadly since I have no dog in this fight, but winning takes precedence maybe over impartially what is right. It's easy to point a finger at Mello and say, never been a winner, comparing to Phil, who has been a winner, and therefore thinking, you know what? It must be, Phil must be right. There must be something wrong with Mello. 
But I'm with you in that. Phil's been able to manage the egos. That was his... That was his claim to fame as well with these teams. Yes, he had the superstars, but he had to manage the egos of Kobe and Shaq and Michael and Scotty and, and Rodman and everyone. So why why I know he's not the coach now, but why can't he work his magic here? Oh, it's because he's in LA half the time, or he's not with the team at all, seemingly ever. You know, he he's he just comes off as very eh, I don't care. I'm Phil Jackson. I've won uh, 10, 11 championships. Mm. Well, I don't think this team... If this doesn't work out, it's on Hornacek. I don't think this team needs a management of egos. I think they need a a vision and philosophy on the court. And, and I don't know, maybe the way Phil Jackson's, like you you were just saying, lackadaisical attitude has, has maybe allowed for Derrick Rose to do what he's done in a way that he hasn't no, been held accountable it, for. Maybe, I don't know, the the mellow Porzingis. You could take it a couple different ways, but I don't think you need a Zen master. It's a triangle offense, too. He imparted his will, imposed his will with the triangle offense. They had to run it. They were practicing it. That means they were practicing defense against it. And as Courtney Lee said, it's not... No other team runs an offense like that, so their de- their team defense was significantly behind to start the season. It's just, ugh, it's a mess. But, but let's actually talk mellow trade rumors for a second. For a second. Because just in the last couple of days, we've heard New York offering mellow to Cleveland for Kevin Love. They promptly hung up. Promptly. It's like when your mother calls you. Can't even take that call. Hey. Sorry, Ann. I'd, I'd answer my mom's call every time. If I see the phone ring. I keep my phone on silent a lot. I've been told that I shouldn't do that. Then there's been the rumors today of Boston and LA, the Clippers. As a Knicks fan, firstly, what do you think Melo is worth? Like, what would be an appropriate amount of value for him? And what trade, if any, makes sense for you? Well, here's the thing. Here's the funny thing about the Clippers. I don't think the Clippers have anything or anyone that I would be interested in. At all. I mean, they're not going to have a high draft pick. You know, they could give us a first-round draft pick, but then you'd also want some sort of young player in return that you can mold your team around. The Knicks were reportedly interested in, you know, one of the big three, Chris Paul, which was never an option. But Blake Griffin and DeAndre, who were still relatively younger, the Clippers said no. I was I, I read a tweet from one of the Clippers beat writers that said, if Melo is traded to the Clippers, you can be sure that the trade would revolve around Austin Rivers, who the Knicks were interested in the offseason. I was like, oh, no way. Austin Rivers? I That does not excite me in the slightest. You could give me Austin Rivers in the Clippers' next three first-round picks or pick swaps, whatever you have to do there, and that wouldn't, wouldn't entice me at all. Do you think we'll ever see this again, like in the next like 25 years, where a coach slash GM signs his son? I'm trying to think and, if there's and, anything and on the honestly, docket. Honestly, I don't think – I mean, look, he's actually played decently, Rivers. He's had a good year, but – younger Rivers. But I don't think it was univ- – <laughs> Doc Rivers hasn't played <laughs> decently this year. It's, he's been battling hip problems. You know, universally, it actually – people weren't screaming nepotism as much as you would think. Anyways, we're, I digress. I digress. You digress. We digress. So here's a trade that we were talking about in the office. And tell me if it's fair, who gets the best of it. What teams would say yes or no? Three-team trade. Do you want to hear what we were talking about in our office? Yeah, you were probably talking about financials. I can't tell you. Yeah, it's classified. Trading. Go on. 
So here was the three-team trade we were talking about. Mello to the Clippers, Blake to the Celtics, and then say Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart and next year's first. Mm, Because they're not going to give up Brooklyn's pick this Ah, year. I know. There's no chance of the Knicks getting that. But say it's Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, and next year's Well, Boston has their first round pick, right? No, this year's a pick swap. Oh, it's a pick swap. Okay, got it. Here, uh, it's tough. I, I actually, I of of the tradable pieces on Boston that actually would make sense. I like Marcus Smart. I think the best, even though he's not a shooter, and I like having a shooter as a point guard. I think he's a pit bull, and at the least, he's a really good six man. I think in terms of what he can evolve into. Um. But I want a good first-round pick in this draft, and I don't know how that's going to happen if you're trading with a contender. This draft is stacked. So if the Knicks are bad, which they are, they're going to have a lottery pick. Um, but then after that, I, I, I'd like another pick and you know, not necessarily the late 20s because I really think this draft is pretty top-heavy like through you know maybe 15. I, I can't see that happening, though. I don't know how we acquire a pick like that. Let's pivot to another team in the East. Pivot. That's actually nipping on the Knicks' heels. Nipping. For the 11th spot. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting for that 11th spot. And that is the Philadelphia 76ers. What does nipping on the heels feel like? I've never had anyone nip at my heels. I, dogs? Dogs have never nipped at your heels? Ben's getting frustrated. He keeps, like, about to roll out this nice little soliloquy, and I stop him by asking him a question about something he said two minutes ago. No, Anyways, like- Ben, go on. What were you saying? The Sixers. Yeah. Doug's in a bad mood, by the way. You're in a bad mood, Doug. I'm in a really bad mood. You you emailed me today about stuff you want to talk about at the podcast. And the Sixers, who I think are universally enjoyed right now. Of course. Joel Embiid, they're finally a little bit uh, resuscitated. Why after... are we celebrating them like crazy, though? Here we go. Why? Seriously. They were not bad. They were historically bad for four to five years. Consciously. Sam Hinkie made them bad, tanked in year one, and he kept it going for four years, and they wound up with a ton of, a million high draft picks. And yes, Embiid is looking great. And Simmons, we have no idea about, but people are excited about him. Great. Noel looks like an NBA player. Okafor looks like a guy you really can't build your team around. So they're potentially right now one for three, depending on Simmons, two for four. Yeah, they're young, they're playing together, they're happy, they're starting to win a little bit. But why are we... We've seen teams make better turnarounds quicker. Why are we all freaking out about the process worked, the process worked? Can I tell you why? Yeah. Well, firstly... It's Embiid. Embiid is great. It's good to see him. I'm not talking about him specifically. I'm talking about the team. Go. They're 9-3 and in the month of January. Yes, very good. Better than the Cavs. And they've won several of those games... Without Embiid. Yes. I think three of them. Yes. You know, they have the occasional Rashawn Holmes night. Yes. But when we praise the 76ers, we're not praising the organization. We better not be. Maybe we're saying the process looks like it will eventually work. Okay, but that great. Mean, it better work. But, but that doesn't mean we're praising the process. And let me give you a little bit of an analogy. Say you work for a company... You know, that isn't doing too well as a company, not making the money it should. Stock price is taking a hit. But you, you're putting your head down. You're a young employee who's, who's working hard and trying to 
to get better and, and maybe getting better, but unfortunately, you're not in a situation to succeed. You're not surrounded by a system that allows you to. And finally, certain things change and maybe you get a, a new really talented guy who can lift everybody up and, and suddenly you're starting to make money. Should we not praise you in that situation? Yeah. You know, you should not, and by you I mean the players on the Sixers, they should not be penalized. They never mailed it in. They always tried. A lot of them were not sufficient NBA players. And you know what? You know who I think should be praised? Oh. Brett Brown. Yeah. The coach who put you. up with all of that crap for so long and now finally has a team that he can do things with. Brett Brown was coaching kindergartners. Brett Brown was cooking meatloaf in a vegan house. That's what he was trying to do. <laughs> That's and, good. And finally, Brett Brown is making some magic. And you know what? If anyone deserves it, he does and Joel Embiid does. Because Embiid was told to wait. He wanted to play. Yeah. And not only is he absolutely wonderful to watch. Yeah. He's a tap dancer, a magician, and like a, a an animal at the same time. But... He's also maybe the best social media presence oh, the NBA has he's ever great. seen. It's great. So, it's great having him in the league playing really well. You know, and his best is yet to come because he hardly even plays. You know, he doesn't play real minutes as is. He's limited when he does play. But I just – look, everything you just said I completely agree with, but I don't want to hear anything about the process itself. The process was stupid. It took way too long. I've seen teams rebuild way faster through the draft, not even signing big-name free agents. But how many of those teams actually were contenders versus middling, oh, we get the sixth seed for years? Teams? Look at the Warriors. Look at the Warriors. The Spurs are on another level. They're always rebuilding and, and getting better and, and, and going for it at the same time. But, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but – do you know how much more this Sixers team would need to even become more, much more than a middling six seed team? I mean, they, they're so I, far away. Uh, from I that. think they're closer than you imagine. No, I think they're one top tier point guard away from being top four team in the East. You put Chris Paul on this team, and you, yeah, fine. You put Chris Paul on this team, and you have Embiid playing real big boy minutes. I don't think they're better than the the actual Clippers now. But the Clippers are top four team in the better conference. Yeah. I'm just saying it puts them in the conversation. Fine. You know what I'm tired of? What? LeBron. This BS that we've seen from him now, complaining, acting as if like he's trying to do the Herculean task of taking an undermanned roster back to the finals. It's such a joke and so tired. And you know what? I'm also tired of Brian Windhorst propping him up in these articles. For well, ESPN. Brian Windhorst is who he is because of LeBron. He was covering him since high school. I understand that. And ESPN wanted to hire someone who's close to LeBron. It, it made sense, but it, it yeah. So maybe his title should be Senior LeBron Advocate, not. And it might be one day. You never know. You know, this is why people have trouble with the media. This is why the Trump people think there are issues Stop with, people. with the Trump stuff. Anyways, um, yeah, I can't. I can't. As the, one of the more staunch LeBron lovers and supporters in the world, I cannot defend my best friend right now, unfortunately. He, uh, 
I mean, he's done this before. They went out, they got Mozgov, they traded two first-round picks for him. He's not on the team anymore. LeBron wanted his boys to get paid, his boys being Tristan and JR. Maybe he influenced Shump. They got paid. They got paid very nicely, maybe a little more than market value. He got paid as he deserved to be very nicely. Kyrie, Kevin Love are getting paid accordingly as well. I have a question for There's you. There's no money. They've spent the most money since 2014. They, they have an extremely high payroll. I don't know who else they could get besides Nate Robinson, who is literally commenting on every Instagram, seriously, by every major publication saying, yo, this team needs me. But he really wants to go to Cleveland. I, I know. Let's take money off the table for a second because logistically there are all oh, sorts you of— You have to give me a lot of seconds because I got so <laughs> much money on this table. It's my table, by the way. I, well, if you had money on my table, um, I think we'd have to talk about some other things. <laughs> well, anyway, are you bringing stacks into my house? Go on. But you can if you'd like. I just like a little stacks. bit from myself. Yeah, fat stacks. Do you think there's a problem with the roster? Yeah. There's there's not enough point guards, not enough big men. It's It's so many twos, threes, and fours. I mean, can they get away with it? Yeah, you don't really need a big man to beat a lot of the teams that they're going to have to beat, but they need more point guard help because Kyrie's not even a natural point guard. You know, he's, he's a scoring point guard. They could use someone off the bench to initiate the offense. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Shumpert, who's having a great year, and he's starting at the two right now. But he's, he's, that's what he is. He's more of a two. So you think the move to get Korver was the wrong move? Uh, I don't know who else they could have got with, um, you know, with, with what they have, but... Yeah, I I kind of do. I mean, I don't I don't know if they if he's a huge upgrade over Dunleavy. I mean, he's a great shooter. Did they need more shooting? They do have Channing Fry off the bench. You know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to you know. It's hard to kind of say. Oh, who else is out there f- for them to get? Do you have any ideas? Not unless they trade one of those guys, and by one of those guys, I mean Shump. Tristan or Jr. Right. They have to trade one of those three. Right. And I don't think LeBron would stand for it. So what do you do? Well, I don't think they could trade Tristan because if they're trading Tristan for a point guard, then who steps into Tristan's role? He does. He doesn't give you rim protection, but he's your he's your rebounder. He really is. I get that, but why? I mean, this was my issue with Tristan Thompson when he was holding out for that big contract was that he does one thing very well. Yeah. And everything else average or below average. Yeah. And there are plenty of guys out there who give you both rebounding and rim protection or rebounding and can stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if they're available necessarily via trade. No, but I'm just saying that LeBron wanted Tristan Thompson. Stop. Stop whining. Yeah. Stop whining. They should have foreseen this. They traded away a lot of assets to get Mozgov and and other pieces, and they knew that they would have to pay a lot of people to keep the core together. And I do agree that they needed to pay these people. I mean, they have Love, Kyrie, LeBron, Jr., Tristan, and Shump signed through Ben playing random videos during during my speech. Um, looking up, looking up a few stats. Yeah. Anyways, go on with your speech. No, they they're all signed. You know, I think through at least 2018, which is when LeBron has an opt out, 
which is exactly you know kind of what a team would want. But the core is is just chock full of two threes and fours with one big one point. They they need more. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't think Nate Robinson's the answer. You know, looking Knicks, could the Knicks deal Brandon Jennings and just say we're not going to resign him? Might as well just try to trade him. He's on a one year deal. I don't know who they get for him. Maybe Jordan McRae, young guy in the Cavs who has potential, but he's not going to play on the Cavs because they're the Cavs. You, you know, know what the that, ca- you that, know what? that could work. You know the Celtics have pieces, but the Celtics aren't trading. They have they have a lot of guys who can handle the ball, but there's no way they're trading with the Cavs to try to make the Cavs better. You know what's actually interesting? The Celtics could use Tristan Thompson. The Celtics are yeah, very he could play with Horford at everything, but rebounding, but rebounding, and they don't have just a great rebounder. And so Horford gives the rim protection. Tristan for Smart. It's interesting. Yeah. And neither team would do it. No. But you know what the Cavs Ru- do Rubio's have? out there. Go on. The Cavs do have three all-stars, which not many other teams, and by not many other teams, I mean only one other team can say. Correct. The Golden State Warriors. We just heard, literally within the last hour. We breaking are, news. We are taping this on a Thursday night. It probably won't be breaking news to you once you hear this. Is that how breaking news works? I don't know. If you're CNN, when you have the breaking news tab... Just rolling throughout the entire day, everything is breaking news. So that's fair. We can apply that standard. So we heard the starters uh, last week for the East. It was Demar Derozan, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jimmy Butler. Remember, the All Star Game has done away with the center, and now it's just forward slash center, which I agree with. Yes, that was the right decision. And the West was Kawhi. KD, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, and James Harden. Tonight, we found out the reserves. We found them out. And let's run through them and see how we felt. You want to start in the East or the West? Start the... Eh, let's start the East. I think the East is more cut and dry, right? I agree. The reserves that were named from the East were exactly the ones I had. I think they nailed it, yep. and I don't see that much debate. The backups are Isaiah Thomas, John Wall, Kevin Love... Kyle Lowry, Paul George, Kemba Walker, and Paul Millsap. Doug, do you have any issue with any of those guys? Not Is at there all. Anyone you thought was snubbed? Anyone else you'd have liked to see on that no. Eastern team? No, and I, I did not think that Melo, definitely not Porzingis. I don't think Melo really deserved it this year. You could argue he's playing like an all-star. I don't think he's playing any better than anyone who made the team, though. And they're just not a good team. And I don't think the Knicks should be rewarded by having an all-star. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I loved Kem. I loved having Kemba. Isaiah was a must. I thought he should have started over DeRozan, but he made the team. Um, who else? Millsap. I love Millsap. I'm such a huge Millsap guy. So I'm happy he made the team. He definitely deserved it. He does everything for the Hawks. He's their best player, and the Hawks are playing well. One thing that was interesting was there was a little bit of a movement. To get Joel Embiid on the All-Star team. Yeah. Because the Sixers have been crazy good with him on the court. Yeah. And mostly crazy bad with him off the court. Yeah. And his impact as far as like per 36 minutes and per 100 possessions, all those advanced metrics, is really astounding. He's missed 14 of his team's first 44 games. Right. So I waffled. Waffled. I, I would have loved to see him on there. You're a waffler. I like waffles. I, I was the one, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, I had him on my list 
more as a novelty, but now I think he actually deserves it. Do you think he deserves it? Okay, okay. Over I think he someone? deserves it, but I don't think he deserves it over anyone. I did originally have Paul George off my list. I'm okay with having Paul George on the list. The Pacers are middling. I think I think they're probably at like the sixth seed right now, right? So, and he is he's putting statistically a, a very good year. He's leading that team. Um, I'm not as high on the Pacers as a team as I was in the beginning of the year, but Paul George is one of the better players in the league, and he definitely deserves to go too. So, so next year, ne- next year, Joel. Another Western Conference, which was definitely the more difficult conference. It's a yeah. better conference. It's a deeper conference. Yeah. Both at the guard and forward spot. Yeah. Lots of guys that you could make good cases for, both in a statistical sense and in a narrative sense from being on the team. But let me run through who made it. Run it through. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, biggest snub in the history of the All-Star game, I think, and a lot of people are saying. Then we got... Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the way the voting is. I mean, he deserves a start, but I don't... A snub as a starter is one thing. A snub from not being on the team, I think, is is what a, the real definition to me of a snub is. I agree. It, but it is interesting that the fans don't love Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Because as a fan of no, it's, good it, basketball it, it, him, and amazing feats, like Russell Westbrook... Steph plays in a huge market. It's not the market. It's what Steve Kerr said a couple days ago, I think, that Steph connects with the average human in a way that just attracts them to him. That's true. You know what I mean? Because you watch Russell Westbrook and he looks like an alien. Because he might be an alien. And you watch Steph and you say, wow, maybe if I had practiced a little harder, I could have done that. That's And and I think when someone's relatable, they're more more appealing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you see that... uh, and pop stars, movie stars, you know, it's the whole girl next door factor. Yeah. Um, accountants. Politicians. Accountants. You always want an accountant that maybe if you had studied calculus a bit better, you could have crunched those numbers. You couldn't be more wrong with what you just said, but I'll, I'll let it slide. Do you have a TI-83 plus? I used to. Do you play block, dude? Block, dude? I don't think I ever played block, dude. Phoenix? No. Wow, were you a bigger math nerd than I was? No, I wasn't a math nerd because during math class, I was playing Block Dude in Phoenix. To me, that's a math nerd. Do you remember that game where you were a drug dealer? and On your calculator? <laughs> on your TI-83. What? Yeah. No. It was a little subversive. Wow. But for all of us who were like actual good kids from the suburbs, like... You know, the math was, nerds. Yeah. Uh, English nerd. Thank you very much. Yeah, you were a drug dealer and you had to like... Increase your stash and and try to make good deals. That's crazy on a calculator. I just can't see it. Like calculators are just like little black dots on the screen. Oh yeah, there wasn't a lot of action. It was a lot of like <laughs> asking you questions and you had to choose yes oh, or no. Okay, I'm so fine. Wait, with what that. games did you play on the T eighty three plus? Snake. I don't know. I don't remember. What block was dude was amazing. You pushed the little blocks and had to try to get them off the edge. It's really well named, block dude. I don't know if I could think. I've thought of a different, a better name for that game. Based on your description of whatever you just said. Yes. Anyway, Russell Westbrook wasn't snubbed from the team. Obviously, made it. Two Warriors, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Off the bench, in addition to Steph and KD. Exactly. So four. DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. Yup. Third straight All-Star nod. Even though he's one of those that, when I was making my list before this, he I made lists of no-brainers, and then... 
who I thought deserved it but didn't think were sure shots. And for me, Boogie's always in the latter category that I feel like, mm, and maybe it's because his team has never performed that well at all, quite frankly, and maybe it's because he's a little bit of a head case and a headache. Yeah. But the numbers are undeniable, both just in raw, sheer volume numbers and in all the advanced stuff, dude's a beast. Mark Gasol, the perennially underrated and and one of the best unheralded players in the league. DeAndre Jordan, Gordon Hayward, that rounds out the Western squad. I have a couple guys there that I didn't think deserved to make the team, and the guys got, got snubbed, but you shoot first. From those reserves, anyone you thought definitively should not have made the team? No, I think they're all deserving. I like DeAndre being on the team, but... I think Chris Paul's still more deserving. I think he's statistically, you can't even really quantify his impact on a team as you can't with most superstars, but Chris Paul's seventh in PR. And I know he's only played 36 of the 40, whatever. He's played like 75% of the Clippers games, but I think that's enough. I don't think it's enough to penalize him to not be an all-star. I'm happy DeAndre made it. And I think he made it over maybe some snubs that you're going to talk about because of positional need and they wanted the Clippers to be represented because they're one of the better teams in the NBA. When I wrote my West no-brainers, I wrote Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul and then I took a moment to pause. Like, they were the no-brainers that I I really didn't have to think of even at all because I thought, how can you leave this guy out? The Clippers are fourth in the West at 30 and 17. Okay. They're three and seven without Chris Paul. They're yeah. 27 and 10 with him. The advanced metrics are just incredible. The offense hums with Chris Paul on. The defense tightens up. Without him, they're a little lost. And I, I don't care if he's missed a few games. I don't think he's missed too many to be a disqualification. And is the team really good without Blake but with Chris yes vice versa no and is DeAndre Jordan enough of a factor to hold it together no I don't think DeAndre belongs on the team I don't think DeAndre Jordan is better than Rudy Gobert Mm. I don't think DeAndre Jordan is better than LaMarcus Aldridge I don't Mm. think there's a case to be made for him over these other bigs Mm. and I don't think there's a case to be made when he's Mm. the third best player on his team Mm. I'm just going to keep making these noises. I, I, I'm yeah. waiting for you to elaborate on these noises. I like them. I wish everyone out there could see the face Doug was making during the noises. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful face. Um, DeAndre, I think, is a better offensive player, which is weird to say, than Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy's probably a little better defensively. But again, I think they, they needed a clipper. They really they needed a clipper. They chose DeAndre over Chris Paul because they needed, I think, another big man. Even though the East is a pretty small team, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the last decisions made. I mean, it's the coaches who pick the reserves, right? Yeah, and they don't try to match up. Right. They just say who's deserving. Right. It's not like they're actually. They wanted a Clipper the same way they wanted uh, a member of the Jazz. So they picked Hayward and they picked DeAndre. If it was CP3 and Gobert, would we be having the same argument the, the other way? Maybe we we might be talking about it. Probably a little less likely though, because I think CP3 is more deserving than Hayward and DeAndre. Gobert and and Gobert is you know if he had made the team fine, you know maybe I don't know I you know that Gobert's averaging more points per game than DeAndre. 
Yeah. And that Gobert held that team afloat when Hayward missed games. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. They were forced to go into him. And I don't even think Gobert should have been an all-star. I think he was on the outside looking in. They were forced to go into him. I mean, if you look at the DeAndre stats for when CP3 and Blake were out, his points are elevated as well. You know, it's just it's a victim of circumstance. But I think DeAndre really affects the game tremendously. He even you know thinks forces the coach to think about when to foul him and not. He does. You know. He does. And the other guy that I think should have been left off, and I feel bad saying it because I think he's an all-star caliber guy, is I think Clay should have been left off. The I team. agree. I didn't want to see four Warriors. And despite the fact that the Trailblazers are on the outside of the playoffs, looking in, the ninth spot right now in the West, I thought Damian Lillard definitively deserved an R-star nod. Lillard, 26.2 points, 5.8 assists, yeah, 4.8 boards, okay, 21st in PER, okay. Are you arguing him over Boogie like we were talking about no, before? No, I'm arguing, arguing him over him. Clay. Yeah. I think, I mean, you can do a whole bunch of different things. If Clay and Lillard switch spots, obviously the construction is different because Steph and Lillard on D is much uh, weaker than Steph and Clay, but the Trailblazers are probably way worse if Clay is on the team than Lillard. So that's a weird way of matching them up. If you look at just sheer numbers, both from volume perspective and from the advanced stuff Lillard is better yeah Uh, Lillard is a sieve on defense still needs to get that together but I don't think the trailblazer woes are his fault at all I mean yeah he could be a little bit better on defense but he carries that team and when they win he could be a lot better on defense you can make the mellow argument for Lillard Lillard has had a better year offensively than mellow but he's also worse defensively just letting you know I still don't think mellow deserves I think Lillard is more deserving I'm just letting you know that's true. Lillard's team is also better than Melo's team. But for sure. And Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, who I'm has not, a better supporting cast? I mean, the way they play together, it's definitely the Blazers, even though they don't show up every night. But, like, the Knicks are a hot mess, dude. Porzingis <laughs> has been terrible lately. Remember, remember when I was really high on him? I still am. Yeah. But I don't know what's well, going we'll on. We'll see. I, I mean, you got to worry with some of those, like, stress injuries that are cropping up with him if he's going to have, like, big man syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Where he's definitely, yeah. He just looks he, like he could be someone who's perpetually injured. He moves, Unfortunately. He moves very fluidly, but anyway. So, yeah. You know what the crazy thing about Lillard is, though? He's always a snub, right? We always talk about him. He's, he, he, it's a product of playing in the West with the great point guards. But if you look at it, Chris Paul was always at the top of the list of the point guards that Lillard would have to hurdle you know, to get into the game. Paul was, you know, arguably the best point guard in the West for a while. Then Steph and Westbrook and now Harden, you can argue, is a point guard because he definitely is. So if you told Lillard, like, yo, Dame, your your State Farm bro, no, your State Farm dad, Chris Paul, didn't make the All-Star game, he's like, oh, yo, baby, definitely got an All-Star bit. Nope. They both got snubbed. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's, I guess technically only Steph, Harden, and Westbrook, even though Steph and Harden are starting with each other, are the only point guards in the West that made it. Right? Yeah. Because there's usually there's usually point. the five, and one, you know, yeah, one one gets snubbed, or the three if you didn't consider Harden a point guard last year, and one would get snubbed because you just four point guards is a lot on a twelve team roster, twelve man roster. Whereas the East has 
four legitimate point guards. Yeah, but the East also has lack of talent at the other positions. Like you, ha- like these guys are definitely the better players. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Oops. For uh, Ben's statistical oddity, uh, which we're uh, back. I think we're we're bringing back. We're back. Hey guys, I'm back. Says Mitch Carpenos. I'll oh, tell you Mitch. the Mitch Carpenos story someday. <laughs> or will we? It's for a different podcast. A much different podcast. So 11 of the top 13 NBA guys at PER made the All-Star team. Yeah. Do you know we saw Chris Paul didn't make it? You know who the other guy is? Yeah, because I'm looking at the list and I brought him up before. You love this guy. Nikola Jokic. He... uh. Well, the issue with him is is he actually only averages 26 minutes per game because he wasn't starting in the beginning of the year. And they were figuring things out. They were playing him and Nurkic, which was just not working. The, Jokic needs to be the starting center, and Nurkic needs to be off the bench. They're actually shopping Nurkic, as they should. They just It just doesn't work with having both of them. Um, I mean, Nurkic just screams EuroLeague MVP to me. Jokic is the best passing big man, the best passing center, in basketball. False. Who? Marcus Saul. Ah, and everyone always forgets about him. He's amazing. He's amazing. Okay, Mr. Statistical Oddity. I hope you're giving me something like assist percentage, one of those newfangled stats. All I'm saying is Jokic averages four assists in 26 minutes, right? That's pretty good. That's very good. Now I got to get to Gasol. Who knows if I'll ever get there? Talk about something. Oh, here he is. Marc Gasol averages 4.2 assists in 34 minutes. Jokic statistically is a better passer than Marc Gasol. Granted, you might be right. Marc Gasol is a great passer and a less high-paced offense. So if you want to adjust it for pace, maybe Gasol does average more. But And Gasol has to be the option scoring on that team yeah. in the way that Jokic does. But Jokic is a good player. He's a good player. He's a good player. He doesn't play defense at all, but a lot of superstars don't these days. I'm not saying he'll be one, but he's a very good player. Do you think this spurs Damian Lillard to have an unbelievable second half of the season, to carry his team with him? Kind of did last year. This is about the time last year when they went on a tear, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It was the snub, and everyone pointed back to it. Yeah, and then he made like third team or second. He made one of the all-NBA teams. Um, I hope so. I like Dame. I think he's good for basketball. You know who doesn't? George Carl. Oh, George Carl hates everyone. That's true. I was just looking up to see if Damian Lillard had tweeted he has not yet. About the All Well, are they playing tonight? I don't think. I don't they think are. they I are. Yeah. I don't know. It's good that he hasn't. I don't. You know, we don't need a tweet storm. You know, I feel bad for him, but there's there's ways to deal with it. Go to anything else you want to talk about? Miss anything? <sighs> My Lakers are doing a really good job of looking like they're trying to win while actually tanking. Your Lakers are doing a really good job of looking like they're trying to win by actually tanking? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was actually watching a little bit of the game last night where they were playing the Trailblazers, and they were mentioning it. You know, They said they're going for it, and they look like they were playing hard. They just don't have the talent, especially with Russell. Um, out for a week or two. But yeah, as long as Swaggy P's getting, or Uncle Uncle P, whatever he is these days. Dude, I... As long as he's I, shooting crunch time shots, we're not winning a lot of those close games. I like your team, though. I really do. I do, too. 
really do. Anything else you want? You want? Would you like to speak about? I mean, about Dion Waiters? Have you seen the week he's had? He's had a nice. The game week. winner versus Golden State. The dagger versus I think it was Brooklyn last night. He uh he's got like that high arcer and then he like turns around he does some like cool stuff yeah yeah kind of like just well, stand, no I, when Dion Waiters celebrates down. it looks like he's part of the music video for Lean Back by Fat Joe and the a Tyrant little Squad. bit a little bit he does the Lean Back which he's I respect that was, that song was huge for me I think senior year of high school yeah yep senior year of high, yeah maybe my senior year your freshman somewhere year. in there around there yeah anyway we've obviously gotten to the point of the podcast where we just talk yeah you want some liquor i got a nice little stash over there no i'll pass tonight but i'll I'll be happy to uh watch you no you know i'm in a better mood now than i was at the beginning of the podcast i was really like ripping into the knicks i know what if they were all in my bedroom right now and they came out and they're like yo we heard what you said i was like what what if only sasha vujicic came out and was upset that you didn't talk about him punch him in the face no i'm just kidding sasha you've done nothing wrong Besides occupy a roster spot on my team. So I think that's it. That's it for the Baller Shorts podcast. We got through. uh, We did it. Yeah, we did it. See you next time. Later.